Please turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is where we're going to start this morning. Man, sometimes just great worship really moves you. That was awesome. All right, uh, I want to start by telling you a little story. My, my freshman year uh, at Texas A&M, class of 83, got one. That's all. I, I wondered if there would be one. Uh, it was uh, Christmas break. A friend of mine talked me into going to KC83, which was a Campus Crusade for Christ conference in Kansas City. And I'd never been involved in anything with uh, Campus Crusade uh, I didn't have anything to do at winter uh, during the winter break, so I thought, sure, that's great, let's go. So we went there and heard a bunch of speakers. It was very engaging and interesting. And then about the fourth day, they loaded us, load us all onto buses and shipped us out into neighborhoods all around Kansas City, paired us with one other person, and made us go knock on doors and talk about Jesus. And I was, I was not excited about that at all. Like, I mean... Ah, you know, a lot of, I just felt a lot of anxiety. I had about a hundred different reasons why this is a really bad idea. They paired me with this girl and she felt even worse about it, right? She just, man, she, she was not enjoying this process at all, but I'm thinking, well, I, you know, better get us enthusiastic about it. So we knock on the first door. Miraculously, they invited us in, started the conversation. And I look over and man, she was just like gripped. She was, her knuckles were white. She, she didn't say a word, right? She, she sat there frozen the entire time. We wrapped up the conversation. They didn't trust Christ. We stepped out, and I said, what did you think? She goes, that was horrible. <laughs> she just absolutely hated us. She says, you know what? Why don't we do this? Let's walk in the neighborhood and pray for these houses. So we kind of did our own little plan on, on uh, Campus Crusade for Christ evangelism. So we walked and prayed, and we both kind of reached the same conclusion, which was we are not evangelists. Right? I'm not an evangelist. That was my conclusion. Uh, but I have discovered this through the years. I actually love to talk to people about Jesus. So I'm not an evangelist, but I love, I love talking to people about Jesus. I, I love those moments when I can see there's an opportunity for the conversation to get into significant things in this person's life and begin to make that connection that Jesus Christ uh, has answers and has uh, an opportunity to give you meaning and purpose and freedom and joy and, and, and overcome guilt and shame and all these things. And, and I, I love those moments. I genuinely love those things. And, and part of it is because I think I've gotten over the fear of not knowing the answer. I really don't care. I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm okay with that. Because there, there are so many questions that I don't have the answers for that it doesn't bother me like it used to. And I think the other thing is, quite honestly, I'm just so gripped now with the fact that Jesus Christ is the only hope of the world. And so I'm not the same person that I was when I was 18. And, and Jesus has been just continuously changing me and remaking me. And so, church, I, I just want to remind us as we're starting the semester that that's, that's the purpose. We come and we have these, these moments of worship because they remind us that Jesus is great and he's worthy of all praise. And hopefully inspire us to go out and love people with the love that we've received. Remember in the spring we were doing our, our initiative on, on Every Knee and I gave you a quote, one of my favorites from Theodore Williams. I want to bring this back to your attention. He said this, We face a humanity that is too precious to neglect. We know a remedy for the ills of the world too wonderful to withhold. We have a Christ who is too glorious to hide. We have an adventure that is too thrilling to miss. Or as we like to say, what we do is we help people find and follow Jesus. That's it. So I'm going to give you four thoughts this morning about how we can do that better. And I want to draw those from a great story in the book of Acts about Philip 
and the Ethiopian. Acts chapter 8, if you haven't turned there already, I'm going to begin by reading in verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. That is a desert road. Now, the first principle is simply this. Be willing. Just, just be willing. Right? Remember, who, who was Philip? Well, he's not an apostle. In fact, we first see Philip when there's a little minor crisis in the church. Some of the widows are not being fed. They can't provide for themselves. And so the apostles select seven men. Philip is one of those men. And so Philip uh, served tables. He said, Philip, would you serve tables? And Philip said, sure, I'll serve tables. Philip, Philip was just willing. Philip showed up. Then a persecution broke out on the church. Because Stephen was put to death, and the Jewish authorities descended upon these new believers and followers in Jesus Christ. And so the church scattered, and Philip was one of those who who left Jerusalem and took the gospel with him. Turn back to Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. It says, Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city, mass revival among the Samaritans. So Philip served tables, and then he went and he preached the gospel. And then God said, Philip, just go take a long walk in the desert. And Philip said, okay. And so he just started walking. He was willing. The Holy Spirit didn't tell him exactly where he was going. The Holy Spirit didn't tell him why he was going there. The Holy Spirit didn't say anything. Philip just said, yes, sir. Here am I, send me. And so he started walking down this dirty, dusty road, probably walked for a couple of days, because God wanted him to have one conversation. Just one brief conversation. And Philip was willing First church, I would say, just be willing. Every single day, wake up and say, Lord, I'm willing. There may be one conversation you, might, you want me to have. There may be many conversations you want me to have. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what this day will hold, but you do know, and I'm willing. Second principle is this. Be expectant. Verse 27. So Philip got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So there are three characters in this story. There's Philip, there's the Ethiopian, and then there's the Holy Spirit. And what we see in the story is that the Holy Spirit has already been working in far distant places and really probably for generations to arrange this particular conversation. Philip goes down one desert road, the Ethiopian's going down another. He parks his chariot, and Philip intersects at this perfect point in time because God was working. So what do we know about this character? Well, we're told, first of all, he's from Ethiopia, which is not as we think of in terms of modern Ethiopia. It's actually just a little bit north of there. It's the ancient kingdom of Nubia, which is in the region of Sudan. We also learn that he's a court official of, of Candace, uh, actually literally of the Candace, right? Candace is not her name. Candace is her title, like 
Pharaoh or Caesar or the president, she is, she's the Candace, right? Which means she's the queen mother because in their, their uh, cosmology of the Nubians, they thought that the king was actually a child of the sun. And so he was too sacred to do any work. So his, his mom did everything, right? Right. I mean, the, like the original ultimate helicopter parent, she just, she, she ran the nation and he did, he did nothing. So she's the Candace, and this particular man oversees all of the treasury. So he is a highly placed individual, which often positions like this were filled by eunuchs. So they couldn't go into the harem and make a claim on the throne. Now what's interesting is this eunuch from Ethiopia has become a worshiper of Yahweh. However, eunuchs weren't actually allowed to enter the assembly and worship according to the law. So this particular eunuch traveled for five months to stand on the outside and get as close as he possibly could to worship the Lord. How did he ever hear about the Lord? You know, we don't know. We know that uh, the Queen of Sheba came centuries earlier. She was from that same region, and she was in awe, not just of Solomon, but the glory of the Lord. And she brought back word, and there were Jewish populations around this area. But we know this. For many, many years, even before Jesus had died and been buried and risen from the dead, the Holy Spirit was reaching out actually to what the Greeks and the Romans considered the end of the earth. Right? The kingdom of Nubia, Homer called, these are the last men, the, the eschaton men. These are the ones who live at the edge of the earth. You see what's happening? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Do you remember it? You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, there's going to be a persecution. Then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria. And now Philip has one conversation with a man who's from the end of the earth. Why? Because God's spirit is reaching out far beyond what even Philip can see. And he arranges this conversation because he loves this one man. And Philip goes from an area of revival in Samaria to one conversation with one key individual. Men and women, God is at work. Before Students, before you moved into College Station, God was working. Years prior, probably to you even being born, God was working. He was working in these families around this area, families that would come here, opportunities for other students to be born into the world and maybe be in a club with you or room with you or uh, work at a restaurant with you. Families, neighbors are moving in. They're taking jobs. And all of these things God has been arranging. We're not even aware of it unless we open our eyes and we expect it. God is at work. And all that he's asking for us to do is just be willing to step into these moments. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. And Philip ran up and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Do you understand what you are reading? Here's my third principle, and it's this. uh, Be fascinated. What I love about this interaction is it just started with a question. Philip just asked a question. He didn't walk up and say, uh, I understand that you are reading the prophet Isaiah. Let me give you uh, the lecture that I prepared on uh, Isaiah, uh, the prophet, and this messianic interpretation that I have. He just said, do you understand what you're reading? He just started with, with a question. He was just inquisitive. Now, a few weeks ago, 
uh, we, uh, Tristy and Anna Joy and I were down in Houston because uh, Anna Joy had to have a, she had to have her, a hip surgery down there. And so the night before, we thought, we'll go down the night before and make it really fun because surgery won't be fun. So we went to the Galleria, and we're just walking around, and we ate some ice cream. And as we were walking out of the Galleria, I saw this, this group of young people. And being the sharp observer that I am, I realized they're not American. Right? Because they weren't speaking English. Uh, hmm. I wonder where they're from. Well, you know, a thought came into my mind, you know, and my filter wasn't really up. So I said, hey, where are you from? <laughs> I just walked into the middle of them. I said, hey, where are you from? And they turned to me, you know, a little startled. They go, well, guess. I said, all right, I'll guess. I think that you're from Eritrea. Now, do you know where Eritrea is? Anybody? Raise your hand. I'm going to ask for a response here, Eritrea. Okay, I'm going to, I think I saw eight, ten hands. I'll call it 15 so you feel a little better about yourselves. <laughs> I didn't see a lot of hands go up. Now, I happen to, I know where that nation is because when we were doing college ministry, I had a student who was running cross-country who was from Eritrea. And so I began pumping him for information about his nation, about his people, about their history. And he introduced me to some other students from around that region. It's, uh, it's in East Africa, uh, actually right where the kingdom of Nubia and Ethiopia are. Okay? That's where it is. It's right, it's right there. And uh, their skin tone, it's not, it's not as dark as West Africa. It's a little bit lighter, a little yellower. Facial structure is a little bit different. Uh, there's actually is a significant Semitic influence down along that region. And so I thought, you know, I think I got about a 50-50 chance. I think it's either Eritrea or Ethiopia. So I guessed Eritrea. And they freaked out. <laughs> They're like, yes, how did you know? They, they couldn't. You know why they freaked out? Because no Americans know where Eritrea is, including all of you. You don't know, right? right? So there's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe you knew. How did I know? Just because I was curious. I was just curious. You know, and, and my curiosity kind of piqued their curiosity. Be fascinated. Everybody has a story. And honestly, if you just ask a few questions, oftentimes they want to share their story. And their story is really interesting. And people's story is different from your story. So you will always learn something. And so I would say this. Just be fascinated. Because everybody's on a spiritual journey. Everybody. We, we like to say that every, everyone's either curious, convinced, or committed. Right? You're either, either curious, or you're convinced, or you're committed. And you may say, well, I've got a neighbor. He's not curious at all. He's just mm, really, really. Yeah, well, just... Start asking questions about his life. And you know, in time, that trust will grow. And I've had friends who are even the most committed atheists who begin to have their doubts. Or they begin to have their fears. Or they begin to have uh, pain and suffering come up in their life. And then where do they go in those moments? To somebody who's fascinated with their life and cares about their life. Verse 31. And the Ethiopian said to him, well... How could I know who the prophet is writing about unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Philip's curiosity opens the man's curiosity. says, well, how could I? i got to have somebody to guide me. And Philip says, I think I'm your man. All right? Verse 32. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. 
And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Fourth principle is this, uh, be prepared. There was actually no New Testament at this point in time, only the Old Testament. But Philip knew how to get from Isaiah to Jesus. He knew how to get there. He was prepared with the the, the message of the gospel. Now, um, KC83 is not the only time I went and knocked on doors. Uh, Dallas Seminary made me also go knock on doors. Uh, and you'll see the consistent theme. I only go knock on doors when I'm made to. Right? And then I go joyfully, sure, you know, because I'm super submissive. So I went and I knocked on doors in uh, North Dallas. And I went to a particular neighborhood that had a, a pretty large Jewish population. And so I walked up to one door and I saw the, the scroll, you know, screwed on the doorpost. It's got a little scroll inside of that. Okay, I know, I know where I am. I'm at a Jewish home. And I knocked on the door. man opened up. I said, um, I'd just like to talk to you about uh, spiritual things. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so, well, come on in. So, remarkably, he brought me in. We began to talk. And I noticed that he had a copy of the Torah sitting on his shelf, which is what we call the Old Testament. And they call the Bible. <laughs> so I said, could I read you a, a verse from the Torah? And you know what verse I read to him? I went to Isaiah 53. And I read to him. And you know what his question was? You know, I've always wondered, who is the prophet speaking of? (laughs) Well, let me tell you what I think. And I went back for six or seven weeks and we talked about Jesus. Because I was looking for it. I was prepared. I was willing to go. Door to door is not my my best style. I'm really much more relational. I like building those long-term friendships. But even then, you can get in that groove and never look for those opportunities to speak about Jesus. You're not prepared. Or when that moment comes, do you, do you know the words of the gospel? Because it's really simple. It's really simple. God loves you. God made you. And he made you for a relationship with him. But you have this thing called sin. You're broken. You have failures. You have things that you, you knew you shouldn't do, but you did anyway. And those create a barrier. They create separation from God. That's why Jesus came. He came to pay the penalty so that he could remove that barrier and you could have life that lasts forever. And all that you have to do at this moment is just say, God, thank you. I believe. I don't know what that took me. 30 seconds, maybe. Right? And there's obviously a, a lot more to it. That's why you, you know, we keep coming back every week and talking about the Bible because there is a little more to it. But, but that's the essence of the gospel message you know, that, that Yahweh in fourth grade could respond to and believe. Because Karen Davidson was available and spoke the words of the gospel. And she believed. And then Yahweh made herself available and told her little sister. And that's it. That's what we do. right? We help people find and follow Jesus. Isn't it amazing? She already gets it. She already understands that. That's what we do. So what happens the rest of the story? We've got we to finish it. It's a great story. It says, Now, as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water. <laughs> Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came home to Caesarea. He was, that's where his house was. And so what did Philip do? Well, Philip just kept doing what he's always doing. He just kept talking about Jesus. And what happened with the, the Ethiopian? Uh, we don't know. Irenaeus, the church father, he says that he went back and he was an evangelist among his people. We do know that there's an ancient history of the church in that region, very vibrant history of the church in that region. Uh, they, as far as we know, just kept doing the same thing and infecting others with exactly that same vision. And so, church, uh, my questions for you this morning are simply this. Are you willing? Are you expecting? Are you anticipating that God is already at work? Are you fascinated with people? Are you prepared? You know, I, I, I understand that nothing really can change our hearts in the way that they need to be changed except the Spirit of God just reaches in and goes, you don't want to be the same person that you were. You really, you really long to be engaged in what matters in life. You don't want to just throw away your life. And this is it. Right? We just help people find and follow Jesus. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to tell the story or not, but I'm going to give it a try real quick. Um, found out uh, two weeks ago my sister has cancer. Okay? And um, she texted me last night. And she said, you know, you can use my cancer as an illustration if you want to, <laughs> which is funny because I always have to ask permission to use, you know, family stories. And she just, she just put it out there. She said, you can use it if you want to because I don't want my cancer to be wasted. Somebody needs to trust Jesus. And, you know, as soon as she was diagnosed, she went in, you know, the first time she sat in the room and, and she wrote me, she goes, man, there are a lot of hurting people in here. I know they don't all, know, don't all know Jesus. So just pray that I'll have these opportunities. I go, you know, that's, I've told you stories about my sister before. Her spiritual gift is evangelism. She's always looking and thinking about that. So she writes me last night and says, hey, I don't want to waste my cancer. So if that encourages the church, you know, you only have a little bit of time. You, you don't know how long you have. And there are people all around you who need Jesus. Are you, are you just willing to do that? I want to show you a video that uh, we captured. It's the story of uh, one young woman. Um, it's one of our fellows, actually. And she came to faith and began walking with Jesus just because the people around her were willing. They're just willing to open up their lives and to bring her in. And her story, I feel like, is just it's really uh, inspiring for, for me. Her name is Allie. Through God's plans, he gave me a potluck roommate who is on fire for him. And so when she invited me, I said yes. And so that's when I walked in the doors of Grace Bible Church. I found myself just looking around at people as they were worshiping. I looked at their position, their physical position of worship. It was a position of surrender and a position of awe. And I just remember thinking, man, if their God is worthy of worship like that, I want to, I want to worship a God like that. And we sat down uh, for the sermon and the pastor gets up and he says, open up your Bibles with me. And I had this moment of, I didn't even bring my Bible to college. It's been dusting away in my shelf at home. I didn't think I'd need it. I haven't needed it for the past 18 years. I looked onto my roommate's Bible, um, which was all highlighted and marked up, and that was new to me. I remember the feeling that I felt when I walked out of the church doors, and it was a feeling of action. I remember just wanting to dig deeper, wanting to go and read more. I was already 
interested at this point of who this God was. Was it the same God that I grew up believing in? Why does this God seem so much more alive here? Through this Bible study, I, for the first time in my life, got to just open up the Word and study it with friends and ask questions about it. A couple years later, I was a Bible study leader. And as a leader, this is where Greek ministry steps in. And they disciple the leaders so that leaders then can be disciple makers. She taught me what it looks like to be discipled in a way that I could replicate it. It is so cool to be just on the total opposite side of that, where now I've gotten to be the person discipling these leaders, teaching them the content that they're going to teach their girls. And so it has been just a really cool picture of spiritual multiplication, which is just crazy cool. They are fully capable to be disciple makers because they have the Holy Spirit within them. They are capable if they know God and have been walking with Him. And the best part is, if they're eager to be a disciple maker, they have to be a disciple first. And so I think it's important to always have that person like pulling in front of you, and then who's the person that you're going to be pulling as well behind you. As long as there's a person on both sides, I think that you're more than ready to go not just be a disciple, but a disciple maker. Okay, church, quick name, Allie's roommate. We don't even know her name. And yet think what the next 10 years is going to look like. Just because, did you catch her amazing strategy and her unbelievable knowledge of the Bible and how she was able to answer every question Allie had perfectly and share the gospel beautifully? No. It was just really simple. She just said, hey, want to come to church with me? And she inconvenienced herself enough to say, hey, come follow Jesus with me. And she just lived out, I help people find and follow Jesus. And Allie now, just think, think all the sorority girls, my neighborhood, I live kind of near sorority houses, and like there's pink t-shirts everywhere right now, that Allie is going to be reaching for Jesus. Her family is going to be radically different. Her community is going to be radically different. And she's leading part of our Greek ministry this year because her roommate, that I don't even know her name, got to live out. We help people find and follow Jesus. And church, this is just one of hundreds of stories. You guys are crushing it at doing this. Like, don't, when we say we help people find and follow Jesus, don't look to your right and look to your left and think that guy does or that girl does because they're just as normal as you. This is, again, ordinary people, ordinary acts, but we have this extraordinary God that shows up and does great things and multiplies the disciples. Allie made it sound so simple. Just get somebody in front of you that you're following their taillights and reach back and grab somebody. And that's what this looks like to help people find and follow Jesus. Uh, To help you just kind of grasp how simple it is and just how it's not about being fascinating, like Brian said, it's about being fascinated. Uh, some friends of mine that I've been hanging out with, Chris is a young professional in town and Josue is a math major that just passed the hardest math class in all of A&M over the summer. So is he in here? I was going to shout out. He's not even here. So, oh well. But uh, these guys decided they were going to meet their neighbors. So they had some friends over. It's always good to do this together, not alone. All right, do it. Let's, teams are better than individuals. So they had some friends over and a bunch of bachelors in an apartment right across the street, decided they were going to make cookies for their neighbors. 
So this oven probably hadn't even been turned on in like two, three, four years. I don't know. But they make these cookies that ended up looking pretty bad and tasting pretty bad. But they're like, we're going to take them to our neighbors. And so they prayed, God, would you show up? Would you help us? Would you have impact? Would you tell a story like that through us? And so they went and met their first neighbor. And he comes to, oh, then Chris knocks on the door. And it's one of those things where you hear people on the other side of the door, but nobody comes to the door. You ever had that awkward moment? You know, sorry, we're telling all these door knocking stories. You don't have to go door knocking, but, um, and so Chris, he's got these guys he's wanting to like model for and like show how this can be done. So he knocks again and he knocks a third time. I mean, pretty bold guy. And, uh, finally the door opens and this guy comes to the door and he looks like kind of like he's been hibernating, you know, I mean, just must've been post-test, post-studying and just hair messed up, barely awake, kind of rubbing his eyes. And Chris hands him some cookies and just says, uh, Hey, we're praying for our neighbors, meeting our neighbors. We got some cookies for you. How can we pray for you? And, uh, the guy, English isn't his first language and pray isn't one of those words you use a lot. And so he's like, play, you want to play? And he's thinking like back to little kid times, or I don't know, maybe Chris's special needs. I don't know what he's thinking, but, uh, he says, um, he says that, uh, so Chris says again, um, uh, no, no. Can we pray for you? And he again, doesn't get it. And finally Chris says, can we pray for you? And the guy's like, ah, pray. And he just says, sure, do it to me. (laughs) And so Chris very awkwardly lays a hand on this guy's shoulder and just prays an awkward prayer over this guy. Chris said it was just like distracted by the awkwardness. And he just leaned right into the awkwardness. He rode that awkward bull for about eight seconds, you know, and finally started praying for this guy. And, uh, and then they close the door and Chris turns to the other guys and he goes, that's not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> and so they went around to the rest of their neighbors and they passed out all the cookies and, uh, they get back to the apartment and, um, it just been an okay day. And then a text comes into Chris's phone. He had switched numbers with this guy and this guy texts him and says, uh, I've never felt peace like that before. Can you come do that again? And so Chris and his friends went back to that house. They formed a relationship and over some great Chinese food and some meals, they shared the gospel with this guy. And one day Josue just shared a gospel, very similarly to what Brian just shared, a 30-second gospel presentation with this guy. And he says, I, I believe. I'm ready to believe. And that guy just got on a plane and is back in East Asia, connected to other believers making disciples. So I just, how many of you could do that? Like, if your hand's not up, I feel bad for you. You can do that, you know? You, you can do that. Chris, Chris is, he wouldn't mind me saying this. He's not an impressive guy. He's just like us uh, in that. And uh, I would just ask you, lean into the awkward. This is really simple. And let's just start with, not with who we are, but who Jesus is. That if we ask him, if we abide in him, he promises that he's going to do great things. He promises that he will make us fruitful if we abide in him. And if we don't, we're not going to accomplish anything. He promises that straight up. And we can be like Philip. Jesus said we'll do more extraordinary things than him. He said, if you ask, I will do it. I'll give you a helper called the Holy Spirit. I'm going to my Father to pray on your behalf. Like, it's not about who we are. We just sang, I am who you say I am. So church, can we just have Sunday school for a minute 
And I know who I say I am. I say I'm a, a, a size 16 klutz wearing, I'm a size 16 wearing just klutz that often misspeaks and gets nervous. That's who I say I am. But who does God say I am? Can some of you just shout out, who does God say we are? Children of God. Who else? What else? Chosen. Forgiven. New creation. Righteous. Ambassadors of him. More than conquerors. We are who he says we are. So start your day reminding yourself in your quiet time. Spend time with Jesus and it's amazing. He will fulfill his promise. He will show up in your day. And so I just want to give you like a practical tip of, of just, we can't teach you all kinds of tools. I want to give you one practical and then give you a screenshot where you can go home and kind of get some practical tips of how to be prepared in our willingness. And uh, this is just something we use often that just really helps me. This is like bonehead basics. If I can do it, you can do it, okay? And this is just how I ask questions. This is how I'm fascinated with people. And you just start by asking external questions. And then you listen. And then you ask internal questions, and then you listen. And then you ask eternal questions, and then you listen. And it's amazing how people will teach you how to lead them to Jesus. And you don't have to be a fascinating person. It goes kind of like this. Hey, Dan, are you going to the football game on Saturday? I mean, Northwestern State. Oh, my goodness. We're, we're really shaking in our, in our boots. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, can you believe how passionate the Aggies get about football? You, be, you do know that's weird, right, to the rest of America and definitely the rest of the world. Can you believe how passionate the Aggies get about football? Why do you think they're so passionate? Oh, wow. Is there anything you're passionate about like that in your own life? Really? Man, I had no idea. How about, are you so passionate about that that you're willing to even hurt yourself like a football player to do it? Wow. Tell me more about that. I guarantee if I asked Dan those questions, that we would be in a conversation that is much different than talking about ESPN or the weather. You might meet a friend over at the big giveaway we'll talk about in just a minute. You might meet a friend and just promise me you'll set the couch down long enough to meet people. This is not about couches. It's about people. This isn't an event. It's a time for us to start relationships with people. And starting that relationship might look like this, external What are they probably thinking about? They just left home two days ago. Oh, tell me about your family. Oh, wow. That's awesome. How how often do you talk to them? Tell me about those conversations, moving internal a little bit. Do you think you'll raise your kids like your parents raised you? Oh, wow, that's interesting. What do you think a really good father or mother looks like? And then suddenly, we're up in a conversation where we can bring Jesus up. And as you have these conversations, would you just do this with me? Would you just rip the filter off of your face that our culture has tried to put on? That we can talk about Jesus. We can talk about him, and it's going to sound a whole lot weirder coming out of your mouth than going into anybody's ears. And just rip the filter off, ask questions, listen to people speak of Jesus. And when people lean in, Let's tell them more. Let's have them into our homes. Let's, eat, let's break bread with them and talk to them about Jesus. Here's a few resources for you. 
that I would just ask you to take a picture of this screen, and you can just Google these things, okay? Uh, on the top one, when you, when you type in share your story, if you just add the word crew, C-R-U, one of our people that, uh, partners that we love here at Grace, share your story, crew, uh, you can find out, how do I share my Jesus story? There's just a great worksheet that'll just walk you through. How do I share my story? If you don't know how to share the gospel, I love to share it visually. I ask people, hey, can I draw you a picture of what I believe? And just people are always ready to see a picture, even with my bad artistry, okay? And three circles in the bridge illustration. You can just Google either one of those and just learn a simple way to share the gospel. That's very memorable. And if you think visually, it'll really help you. And then the last one is my favorite. It's a Discover Bible study tool that sometimes when I share the gospel with somebody or I'm talking to Jesus about them, I really sense that maybe they're just not understanding. And I just invite them, hey, would you and maybe a friend want to come over to my house and just read the Bible with me? A young man, a young professional in our church, he stood up one day and he walked around to the 15 cubicles around him and he just said, hey, I know sometimes the Bible can be intimidating. If we just had like just a basic Bible study where we just discovered together what's inside the Bible, would you be interested? And now there's nine guys at his office that have walked from Genesis to Jesus. I've got some friends that are coming over to my house tonight and we're going to read about the resurrection of Jesus. Like we started with creation, and you can pray. I won't name their names because some of you know them, but just pray that these two come into the kingdom of God as we read about the resurrection of Jesus tonight. And it's just, I've loved it. I've fallen more in love with Jesus doing a Discover Bible study with them. And here's what's cool is you don't have to teach. It's just five questions. You just read a passage of Scripture, ask five questions. How many of you can do that? Totally. We can do that. And so... I would just say, let's, let's demystify this and let's all be a Philip. So here's a couple opportunities for you. The first is we've been talking about this. The big giveaway is we've got the reverse Ethiopian eunuch situation going on. God brought the Ethiopian eunuch from so far away, I mean, from Philip from so far away to reach the Ethiopian eunuch, but he's bringing international students to us. And I would just ask you, come to the big giveaway, come to the party and let's meet some people and, and let's just see what God does. He will show up. He promises that he will. So would you pray, maybe even fast this week? God, would you tell a story like Allie's story through me? We got to baptize a little girl from a family that we met in part through the big giveaway this morning. Just awesome. Would you tell that story through me? So come to the big give, ready to welcome these folks that God has brought onto our doorstep. And there are people from all different walks of life. They're not all like 18 to 22-year-olds or anything like that. And we've also got all these Aggies that are coming. So when that truck that driven by a freshman almost nails you running a red light this week, pray for them and be open to a conversation with them. And church, it's so powerful to worship together only because when we scatter, you're going to reach out to so many people where you work, live, and play this week. The next opportunity I just want to throw out real quick is Awaken. This is a course where if you're like, if God's stirring in you and you want to know more about the Great Commission and your role in the Great Commission, like, what's my role? This is a course for you. It's eight weeks, and it's just really practical, very interactive, where you can just grow in your role in the Great Commission. So thanks so much, guys. You've been really uh, patient and um, just very attentive this morning. I just love the energy of being part of this church. Would you do this with me? Would you just bow our heads and let's let God talk to us? I would just ask you, as some music plays, would you just ask God, 
God, who are you with your finger just almost writing on my heart? What groups of people, what names, what, what areas of my life do you want me to just do this? Be the Philip, God. Would you do that? The pressure's not on you. Pressure's on God. Would you just ask God to write some names on your heart, some groups on your heart that he wants you to specifically reach out to this year? And then would you just ask him, God, would you show up in power? Would you tell a story like Allie's story through me? Could I be her roommate? And I'd just like you to let you just pray to the Lord and just let him put on your heart the people he desires for you to reach this morning. You can be that, Philip. Father, I do pray that you would uh, stir up our hearts. Change us. Don't, don't let us be content uh, with who we are. Be complacent. I pray that you break our hearts for the, the lost around us. Uh, Father, you do so in a way that uh, we're not moving forward out of uh, just mere duty and shame and guilt, but out of just our deep and, and growing love for your son, Jesus Christ, and appreciation for all that he has done for us. We are grateful, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I loved what Chris said. It's, uh, it is easier to be fascinated than fascinating. Uh, you know, that kind of takes the pressure off. Um, so I want to just encourage you this week, you know, find one or two people and just begin to ask some questions. See if God doesn't open up those doors for you. Uh, I also want to remind you that earlier Zach announced uh, today is Connect Sunday. So in the fellowship hall, so as you're turning around, you exit over here on the right. Uh, a lot of opportunities if you're not really connected to other believers in any kind of fellowship or small group. Uh, discipleship opportunities. Uh, You can walk through the back there and a lot of folks will be standing at tables. They can uh, tell you how to get involved, get plugged in and serve. Okay, God bless you. We'll see you next week.